What up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by High V and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here, as always. Big thanks for tuning in. And, man, we got a few topics we're going to be hitting up on this episode of the podcast. We got our picks coming up. Who are we picking? When I say we, Brandon Berg's going to be joining me here in just a little bit. Uh, but we're going to be making our picks for the NFC and AFC championship game. Also, with Brandon, we're going to talk some brewers. Because uh, Brandon's our brewer guy, so I want to get his thoughts on uh, a couple moves made this week. Mostly, uh, I should say most notably, Reese Hoskins coming over to the crew. We'll talk some more box with the change in coaching uh, as well with Brandon. And then uh, we're going to talk uh, some green and gold, and that's where we're going to lead things off here with uh, with the podcast. Continuing our kind of consulting work with the pack. Today I, I, I want to hit up inside linebackers because I also feel like this is a, this is an interesting position that uh, the Packers got to make some decisions about this this offseason here. Uh, so when I look at it, and, and one of them is, is Devondre Campbell. So I want to start off with, with Campbell here. When you look at his contract, when you look at Devondre Campbell's contract, 2024, he's going to have a cap hit of $14 million. Okay? $14 million. If the Packers were to release him, they would have a dead cap hit of about $11.6 million. So, basic math, you're probably saving... I mean, you're not saving a ton of money. You're saving, what, under just under $3 million, okay? The better out would be is 2025, where they have a cap hit of $12.5 million. And if they were to move on from him, it's a dead cap hit of about eight. So you got to four and a half. 2026, he's still under contract, where... You've got a $12.5 million hit. Dead cap then is only four. I wonder, though, even though you're only saving a few million bucks here, I do wonder if Devondre Campbell is going to be back in, in Green Bay this upcoming year. Played in 11 games this year. Dealt with some injuries, ankle injuries and such. Uh, last year, 2022, played in 13 games. His first year in Green Bay when he won All-Pro. Played in every single game. Started every single game. And hasn't really, I think it's fair to say, hasn't played to that level, hasn't played to that All-Pro level like he did in 2021. Injuries factored into it, no doubt about it. But is it worth bringing him back? And, you know, and that's that's the question they have to answer. Is like, is it is it worth it just to keep him for for another year? Even though you know, if we if because because if we move on from him, it's only saving just under three million dollars per year. And where does a guy like Isaiah McDuffie? Where's where's he at in in this equation? Because it was evident. It was evident at the end of the regular season into the postseason, too. They were giving McDuffie snaps over Campbell. 
And whenever McDuffie was in for Campbell, when Campbell's missing time, I thought McDuffie played well. I thought he played well. Now, he went through some injuries as well. It's almost reminding me of, if we go back to like 2010, 2009, 2010, 2011, that time frame, it, it, it was almost reminding me of seeing McDuffie kind of coming in, you know, a special teams guy, and then when he'd get some snaps in, in, in on the defense in, in these games, he's making some plays and such. It reminded me of Desmond Bishop. Remember Desmond Bishop? Not not comparing the two players. I'm just kind of comparing the 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 path to their careers, if you will. Desmond was the backup to Nick Barnett and AJ Hawk. Played some time in special teams, but whenever he got on the on the field defensively, it just seemed like Desmond Bishop was making some plays here or there. Nick Barnett gets hurt in the Super Bowl year. Desmond Bishop plays well. And then, unfortunately, the following year, you know, Desmond, that severe hamstring injury, when he finally gets a shot, finally gets a starting shot, and, and, and you know, the, the hamstring injury there. But that's kind of like the, the we're reminding me of a, a little bit. Not saying it's going to work out the, the same exact way. But McDuffie was a guy that, what from when I was watching, from what I had seen, a guy that was quicker to hit the hole in a running game. Sticking his nose in there. A little bit quicker, sideline to sideline. And I just wonder, does that fit better with Quay Walker also being the other inside linebacker? Quay Walker is a guy that I think, with his speed, you can utilize him in different ways. Blitz packages, coverage, that sort of thing. And you just kind of wonder is the better duo that, that fits the and, – and a lot of this is going to depend on who the defensive coordinator is going to be, right? A lot of this is going to depend on who they bring in and what their what their scheme or what their, what their goals are, what they envision this defense, how they envision it, how they want to play. It's going to depend a lot on that. But part of me just wonders, is, is this group better when McDuffie and Quay Walker are out there? I, I – personally believe McDuffie is a better run defender than, than Devondre Campbell just from an eye test because I feel like he's more aggressive hitting the hole he's more aggressive getting through you know the tackles or other defenders weaving his way through traffic and getting after the run defender so if Green Bay decides to move on for, from Campbell and and maybe give McDuffie a, a shot honestly I I wouldn't be that upset about it. But if they do that, now if they do that, I do think they have to potentially look at the draft and just add a little bit more depth over there because if you do move on from, from McDuffie, and, and, and the thing is McDuffie's entering his final year of his deal. So if they give him a shot and he goes out there and balls out, you're, you're, yeah, you're going to have to probably give him a new contract. So if you move on from Campbell and you give McDuffie you know, his shot, you still need some more depth at that inside linebacker. And I know there's probably a lot of Packer fans saying, for how many years have we talked about drafting an inside linebacker 
for for this team. And it was like, oh, Blake Martinez, mid-round. Jake Ryan, mid-rounds. You know, you could kind of go through lists. And finally, Quay Walker was a first-round pick. Now here we are again, potentially. But I don't know if it has to be a first-round one. I mean, maybe if there's somebody there. I mean, if we're if we're looking at some of the options at you know inside linebacker for for the upcoming draft, I mean, you know, you got uh, the the kid from Notre Dame, Liu Fahu. Is that how you pronounce his name? You got uh, Cooper, Texas A and M. You got Cedric Gray. I mean, there's guys out there that maybe aren't you know right now at least here at the end of January that is like. Wow, you know, showstoppers, big names. There's not going to be like a Roquan Smith or or anything like that. But I do think, I do think Green Bay has to look at the draft and and find some more inside linebacker help. And and this was a year too where they got banged up quite a bit at that inside linebacker spot. I mean, how many times were we out there? And, and no, I'm, this is not a knock on Eric Wilson, but you know he was out there getting some snaps because he had to be thrown out there. There was other dudes they had to that they had to go out there because you know McDuffie, whether it was a stinger or a concussion or Campbell missing some time. Guys, they, the the depth was tested here a little bit for for Green Bay. It was tested. So I do think they have to go into the draft and and address that depth. Take a look at it. And maybe that's something they can do <laughs> to third, fourth round, you know, somewhere over there. You know, I'm I was looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. His first mock draft. Daniel Jeremiah is probably my if I had to if I had to rank him, probably my number one, my favorite draft analyst that's that's out there right now and like a lot of mock drafts they've got you know first round and this is going to change like if, if you're reading mock drafts right now and you're getting upset about it or that it's january a lot is going to change okay a lot is going to change at this point in time but i was looking at daniel jeremiah's mock draft the other day and there is not a single Inside linebacker, he has in the first round. And that could change. Again, that could change. But right now, he doesn't have an inside linebacker going in the first round. So there isn't, at least now, that like top-tier, bona fide like, stud guy over there. I think Quay Walker, you know, when I look at his year two, I do think there was some growth from Quay Walker. And... You know, if you look at his numbers, if if you decide like, okay, like did did Quay Walker actually play a little better? You know, how did he make a jump from from rookie year to to his sophomore year? You're looking at the numbers and there's probably a, not a whole lot that really jumps out to you as a difference. You know, his first year, rookie year, played all 17 games, started 16 of them. Finished the year 121 tackles, one and a half sacks. This year he played in 14 games. He missed a couple games. 118 tackles, though. So he missed, played in three fewer games, and only just had three fewer tackles. Two and a half sacks, it's one more, 
and then he had an interception. Quay Walker, to me, is a guy like whoever this new defensive coordinator is going to be coming in. You know, I mentioned it the other day that whoever this person is going to be, I really want them to get the most out of Rashawn Gary because I still think there's some untapped potential there. And, and just to make Rashawn Gary more consistent, but I also want this this defensive coordinator to come in and and kind of almost unleash Quay Walker here a little bit too because I do I, I firmly believe Quay Walker is a could be one of the best inside linebackers in the game. His size, I mean, he's a six foot four, two hundred and forty some pound inside linebacker. Good speed for for the position. You know, you look at some of these other top inside linebackers out there, like like Fred Warner, okay, for for the 49ers. Kind of similar. 6'3, 230, a little bit smaller, but but similar, right? He's a little bit taller of an inside linebacker. Roquan Smith, he's he's kind of the smaller one, 6'1, but he's 230. Quay Walker, I think, has some unique intangibles that whoever comes in to, to run this defense, I really want them to make him kind of a focal part of this defense and and utilize him in different situations, whether it's on a blitz, whether it's, you know, maybe coverage here a little bit, but really trying to get the most out of him. I still think there's some untapped potential for a few players on this defense. And that's kind of why I want a, a defense, me personally, I want a defensive coordinator that's maybe a little bit more aggressive because I do feel like there's there's guys here that we haven't seen really hit their peak yet. I know we're not talking about this position, but I'll say, I'll say like defensive linemen like Devontae Wyatt and such. I just I feel like there's more there. Rashawn's one, Quay Walker's one here too, and he's still young. He just finished up his second year. And I'm not trying to, you know, make him out to right now be the best inside linebacker in all of football, but I think he has that potential to be one of the best inside linebackers in football if he's put in the right position, if he's given that opportunity. He's got such unique skill sets and physical tangibles. So I look at this group. I think they've got a really good inside linebacker going into next year for the foreseeable future with Quay Walker at the helm. The biggest question this team is going to have to figure out is Devondre Campbell. Do you bring him back with that cap hit of a 14, little over $14 million? If you don't, you got a dead cap of about 11.6. So you're saving a couple million. Is it worth it at that point to save just a couple million dollars? Do you give a shot? to Isaiah McDuffie in his final year. If I were to wage a guess right now, if if I were to, to, to make a prediction, I think they move on from Campbell, and I think they roll with Isaiah McDuffie to be that other starter next to Quay, and they look for another inside linebacker in a draft. That's my prediction. Could be completely off. That's how I see it rolling. I think you bring back Wilson for a little bit of depth there, but special teams play too. I like that guy a lot. Probably another one-year deal. It's not going to cost you a whole lot here. 
But I do. I that's that's my prediction. And honestly, if this is what I was doing, if I was running the team, if I was Goody, or as you know, this exercise that we're doing, given the consulting work to, to to Green Bay as an outside observer, this is how I would roll. You're not saving a ton of money by by moving on from Campbell. But again, you you look at you know he set the bar so high in year his first year in Green Bay, got an All Pro, got a big contract. But I think it was evident towards the end of this year too that. You know, he was getting subbed in and out for Isaiah McDuffie in certain situations. I think it's time to see what you got with with McDuffie. I just I like McDuffie's attitude, mindset when he's going out there, hitting the holes hard. You got a linebacker like that, then you got the unique skill set of Quay Walker next to you. I think you can have some versatility within this defense to do a few different things. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're actually going to bring in Dr. Crow for a little inside the training room, talk about uh, Debo Samuel and his injury and others after these quick words. It's that time of year where we may be stuck indoors for a bit, so you need to make sure your pantries, fridge, and freezers are fully stocked. How do you do that while also saving some money? Easy. Just shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether it's stocking the pantry with soups or dried goods, or loading up the deep freezer with pizzas and frozen foods, Hy-Vee has the best selection to help keep you stocked during the winter months. And with their Hy-Vee perks, you'll save money at the register and the gas pump. Stock up on your favorite grocery items and save money with Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Uh, let's begin with some football stuff here. Let's uh, take a look at the 49ers. So Debo Samuel, I think, is probably one of the biggest unknowns out there. And he left the game against Green Bay earlier uh, due to a shoulder injury. And it's a shoulder injury that uh, apparently he's been dealing with throughout uh, this season. Now, I haven't seen anywhere where they've like really said exactly what it is. Uh, I know Kyle Shanahan said a couple days ago that you know he's hurting, but now he's feeling better. Could is there any like a, a few different possibilities what he could be dealing with with a shoulder injury that could have kept him out of that game on on Saturday night and maybe potentially this game on on Sunday? Yeah, I mean it's hard to say for sure. When you watch the game with the pack, um, the interesting thing on that was I, a lot of times the speculation was at the time it was a head injury. Yeah. Um, it certainly didn't look like a shoulder injury of any significance. Um, you know, but, you know, you can have an injury that's present and you can get it aggravated. But, of course, that begs the question, like you just asked, what is exactly that injury to the shoulder? So, uh, you know, usually, you know, they can be things. And in a young athlete, you're not thinking rotator cuff generally, so it's probably going to be something more labral-based, um, which you know, could be a, a shoulder instability-type problem. You could have like a shoulder contusion or something like that, but that usually doesn't linger as long as this. So I would say the most likely suspect would be a labral injury to the shoulder resulting in some some subtle instability. Um, now, if he was having full dislocations or something like that, that would probably shut shut the season down. Um, but I, I would guess something along those lines. And sometimes you're able to rehab through those and make it to the season. Sometimes you're able to rehab and avoid surgery altogether. But you're right, they have not disclosed exactly what the injury is, but I would I would guess it's something along those lines. So if it's like a labral injury or anything like that, and you know, I, I guess to kind of put it bluntly, could they shoot him up and you know, you know, kind of numb the pain and have him go out there, or is there a a major risk for for making it or hurting it worse? Yeah, so that is one of the injuries we do not recommend doing that for. There are some generally the indications for doing that are things that are painful, but have little to no risk of progression. So things like AC separations in the shoulder, they hurt like a son of a gun. But really, it's unlikely you're going to damage them further. 
So those you can you can numb up, and then you know you pay the price when the numbing stuff wears off. But it's not really dangerous. Um, hip pointers, uh, things like that, rib injuries. Those are things that you can inject and say, "All right, we're going to numb this up." But the odds of you having something bad happen is very, very low. And I got to wonder in this circumstance. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, you know, and, and so in this circumstance, you numb the shoulder, and he injures it further. You could create a bigger labral tear or a bigger problem. So that's not something that we want to do because, again, you risk progression um, and worsening of that injury. I was just going to say too. I mean, the, the style he plays, like you know, they use him as running back. You know, he's he's a physical runner over there too. So I got to imagine. I mean, yep. you know, you factor that, and just because of the style that he plays, you know, being that physical, that that's got to make things more difficult to kind of plan for too. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's all over the field, and, and they certainly use him in a lot of ways. And just due to his versatility. Yeah. Uh, the Lions, on the other hand, uh, their center, Frank Ragnow, I, you know, this just screams of an offensive line injury report. I don't know if you saw this. He's got he's listed as an ankle, a toe, a knee, and a back. All four things right there. <laughs> that just screams like old school <laughs> offensive <laughs> line, right? <laughs> uh, so he suffered a yeah, sprained... Just, uh, don't, don't tape them. Yeah, <laughs> he suffered a sprained knee and a sprained ankle against the Buccaneers, and you know, I think a lot of people, at least on social media, was like, oh boy, he's got to be done. He played through them last week, but I mean, that's that's got to be a lot to, to go through those situa- for a center of all, all positions, too. Yeah, I mean, in the trenches, it's it's uh, it's pretty pretty intense warfare down there. So, uh, yeah, those guys, really, if you break it down and you, and you came to any offensive lineman in the middle of the season, and I'm talking almost any level, but especially collegiate and professional, I mean, every one of those guys has some little ding along the way. You know, they'll be like, you know what, my, I rolled this ankle earlier, it's sore, my shoulder, my finger, you know, you name it. You just, they're just large human beings that are bashing on each other, you know, day in and day out. So, um, but that's a pretty extensive list that he has. So, um, the question is the severity. I, and he, clearly he was able to play through him before and without any real definitive additional injury, you suspect he'll be able to continue to play. But yeah, I mean, those are, and some of those things are, you know, for example, you know, you know, like a toe injury, though that might be something that you could try, you know, medicate and, and make a little uh, less painful. But some of them, you just got to see how the, how they can play. And these guys are, are uh, troopers, and they're going to get out there and do their best. And so I, I would expect him to be out there and playing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey here quick. So last week, and I know they're not really talking about this week, but during the game, the, the cameras caught him, you know, on the sidelines, and there was like a trainer that had one of those, you know, like those, uh, what do you call them, muscle things to, to kind of keep his hamstring yeah, loose. Yeah, the, to kind of keep his hamstring loose. And, and they were downplaying it there. But I know he had been dealing with, with a calf injury for the last couple of weeks. Could it be something as simple as they were just keeping him loose? Or do you think there was potentially maybe something lingering there? Because we know he's had issues with soft tissue injuries throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, he's had multiple. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't even remember all of them. It's been that many. So I'm sure there's a bit of prophylaxis going on where they're saying, hey, we don't want you to tighten up at all. And so he's he's stretching, he's running, he's doing the Theragun, so kind of percussion therapy. Those are all different things that you can do to try to stay loose and prevent um, something from actually really becoming a problem. But, you know, we've touched on this in the past. I mean, anytime you have a significant, whether it's hamstring, calf, you know, you name it, groin, any of those things, that, when they heal, they never heal 100%. Now, sometimes they get to 99.9 and people can live and do whatever they want. Um, but there's always going to be that little lingering thing that puts you at higher risk. So uh, now is obviously not the time they want to have CMC go down with an injury. So they're going to do everything they can in their power 
to prevent. Like most things, prevention is better than treatment. So um, I suspect that it's that because it didn't seem like he was really hobbled up. He was running, mm-hmm. running pretty hard and pretty fast. So my guess is that was a bit of prophylaxis going on, but it, obviously it's hard to say for sure. And uh, to kind of feed into that, I know I sent you this this screenshot uh, the other day, but um, apparently, you know, we talked about Matt Lafleur said that they were going to try to figure out the the soft tissue and hamstring injuries with mm-hmm. Christian Watson and Eric Stokes, and then there was an article uh, PackersNews.com that uh, source said that the Packers plan to send both players to Badger Athletic Performance on the UW Madison campus, where clinical assessments will be done to better understand how the force of their on-field movements are affecting their bodies. And uh, they they got uh, Badger Athletic Performance Director. Uh, is, is, he's among a small group of specialists who received $4 million in funding from the NFL to study hamstring injuries. I had never heard about this uh, before. Uh, was that something you've heard about before, Austin? Uh, not specific to this, but, you know, after you had messaged me that I, I did a little bit of legwork on it, you know, um, when I was, and this is now a number of years back, I did my training at the University of Wisconsin um, for residency. While we were there, they had basically, you know, advanced camera uh, analysis of athletes running and sprinting, and they were trying to assess the strain on hamstrings. So I bet you it's off of that that study originally, mm. and they've just kind of taken it a step further. Um, and so they're trying to look at, you know, different cadences and strides and when people injure it and things that they can do to try either modify either – you know, running styles or, or something along those lines, maybe things that if it's a specific point in the stride, if they can focus on that or maybe stretch a certain muscle group to help offload things. You know, it's obviously a complex topic for sure. Um, but, again, back to my point I just made, I mean, prevention is better than treatment. So if we can find a way to say, look, if we're able to modify this little thing, we can decrease hamstring injuries by 20 30%. Because at the end of the day, I mean, to put it bluntly, the NFL is a, a, a product that they want, and the, and the athletes are the, are that product, right? So mm-hmm. if the athlete's injured and sitting in the sidelines, that messes up the product. So if they want to do everything they can in their power, um, you know, it's not really altruism with the NFL. They want they want their athletes out in the field participating. So, you know, they're looking for ways to do that. And so I bet you it's that it's off of that because UW was doing that way back when I was in residency, and I'm guessing it's something along those lines that they're they're looking to do to try to prevent further hamstring injuries. But you know, it's uh. It's going to, you know, something that's not going to go away, but if they can find ways to just decrease it by percentages, I mean, all of that adds up in the end. Yeah, and I know, you know, Packers let go of their head strength and conditioning coach uh, on there too, so it seems like they're trying to find something different uh, to, to combat these, these soft tissue injuries. But I feel like a lot of it, though, too, is just freak stuff that, that happens with these soft tissue stuff. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, there's, like we talked about, you have an injury once, and it's like that athlete now has, a risk factor. You mm-hmm. can't make that go away. So, you know, with Christian, his was a re-injury, right? So yeah. um, it, it's something that, you know, is he going to be a high risk next year and throughout his career? Yes. I mean, does it mean it will happen? No, but it certainly puts him at higher risk. And, I, you know, whenever I see strength and conditioning coaches get nailed, you always feel bad because a lot of these guys in the offseason are doing training on their own. Um, I, one of my good friends is the strength and conditioning coach for the Houston Texans. Um, he's been doing it for a long time. He was at the Denver Broncos prior to that. And so, you know, he's, he's luckily, he survived three separate head coaching changes down there. So he, he must be doing it right. But yeah. whenever you see guys, I mean, he's, he and I have talked about this. He's like, look, a lot of these guys are doing their own workout programs and their own things. I mean, you know, you see the off season training, it's not all done with the team. There are, there are guys that do that. Um, but a lot of these guys are on their own. So it's like, how do you really put that on the strength and conditioning coach for them to somehow 
prevent every hamstring or groin injury. It's, it's tough, but then again, someone's got to be the scapegoat. So yeah. that's the way the game works. Exactly. Can he uh, take the job in Green Bay? Maybe you know, have him convince him to move well, back up here I'll or something see. like that. So. Well, he, he's from he, he's from Cedarburg. Um, that's where he went to high school. But he's originally from Texas, so he's, oh. he's a Texan. We're a big Cowboys fan, so I, he must be conflicted down there working for the Texans as a Cowboys say. fan. But uh, yeah. maybe you might be able to get him. <laughs> just just saying, you know, maybe we'll, you could put in a good word or something like that. You know, uh, just, that's you know. right. We'll see. <laughs> uh, hey, Austin, before I before I let you go here, um, I, I know there's, you know, locally-wise there was a you know, big news with uh, HSHS, and I know Chippewa Valley Orthopedic Sports Medicine, you know, you posted out a statement, or you guys posted a statement on, on Facebook, too. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, is there anything yeah. that you kind of want to uh, throw out there, too, for anybody maybe looking for care or looking for, for maybe some help or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously it's devastating news to, to see um, HSHS Purveya closing here in western Wisconsin. So, I mean, I think you could argue that perhaps for a while there was a bit of surplus with the, you know, when, when Sacred Heart and Marshfield split, Marshfield opened a separate hospital. Um, but at this point with the closure of Sacred Heart and St. Joe's and Chippewa, I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be some constraints on our medical system in the area. And so I think that's going to be something that people are going to have to work through. And I think I can tell you that we um, on the medical side are doing our best to try to troubleshoot this problem and come up with solutions with regards to orthopedic care, we certainly have the ability to take care of patients, and that luckily will not really be interrupted to a great degree. So we do a majority of our surgeries at Oak Leaf Surgical Hospital, and we're fortunate not to have any disruption at all. Now, there are some patients that are higher medical risk that we're not able to do there, and we're working on ways to, to address that for our patients. But um, certainly, you know, if, if patients of ours that, that are preexisting are looking for care, we certainly are still taking everyone on and, and going to do everything in our power to help people out. It may require some referrals outside the area for a short duration, but we're, again, are trying to troubleshoot um, ways to keep everyone here locally and taken care of. But, you know, when you start getting into some other areas of medicine, I mean, there, there's going to be probably some constraints on our medical system that, that are going to have to be taken by, you know, Mayo, by Marshfield, and, you know, at Oak Leaf Surgical Hospital, which I'm a board member there, we're, we're looking at ways to expand service lines to help address this problem. So, it's it's not going to be easy, um, but we're doing our best. And if people have questions or concerns, certainly reaching out to, to your physicians and providers and clinics um, and, and kind of touching base uh, is, is a good first step. But we're, we're doing our best, and it's going to be a work in progress, I can tell you that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all you do. And uh, we have a texter that just texted and said, uh, please give my best to, to Dr. Crow. Uh, he fixed uh, my shoulder a few years ago. The, the care and treatment from his entire team over there was top of the line and love hearing from him every friday morning so there you go thank you to that texter don't have a name but thank you to the texter uh over there so there we go uh there you go so hey buddy appreciate it before i let you go give me your picks who do you got playing in the super bowl uh i mean i it's hard to go against the chiefs but the way the ravens are playing gotta go with the ravens um you know i would I would say, I know it's kind of hard to, to say it, that I'm rooting for, I guess, a divisional rival, but I, I think Lions, um, I think they're just going to ride the hot streak. So I'm going Lions mm. and Ravens. Um, but, you know, the Niners, I think, have more potential, but they just they just don't seem to be clicking all cylinders right now. So yep. Lions and Ravens. All right, Lions and Ravens, we got you on the marker board. We're going to put you up there. So that's <laughs> that's your pick. So, uh, dude, we appreciate it, man, as always, and thank you for everything. And uh, you have a good rest of your week, and we'll catch up again soon, okay? Absolutely, you too. Let's take a quick break, and we'll have Brandon Berg on. We're going to chat some brewers. 
Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. Let's start off with, uh, I know it's been a couple days, but I've been saying, you know, we talked about it, but I'm like, I can't wait to talk to Brandon about this to get his thoughts. He's our Brewers guy uh, on this, our Brewers dude. Reese Hoskins, do you like the move? What are your thoughts on the move? It's a two-year deal. I know Jeff Passan said there's an opt-out after the first year, um, but your overall, and do you think he's going to play more DH than first base because of his defensive play too, which Matt Arnold said last year, hey, we're not going to, sacrifice defense for for offense or did his his mindset you think change after how the offense performed down there i guess overall your thoughts on reese hoskins i really like the move i think when you were looking at the uh, realistic options the brewers had to upgrade first base and make no mistake about it that's a spot that's needed an upgrade for a while it was realistically about as good of an option as you could make you know they weren't going to trade for Pete Alonso. I know, even though that was rumored at the trade deadline, like that just that mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. Um, so to grab someone like Reese Hoskins, who is, I would say, consistently solid—not great, but solid. Like mm-hmm. you look at his numbers over the course of his career, and they're they're pretty steady. Uh, I think that brings something to the table that the Brewers really don't have, as far as a right-handed power hitter that you can immediately slot somewhere in the heart of that lineup. I mean, he's. The way things are looking right now, he's either hitting third or fourth, mm-hmm. and that's much needed for this team. You mentioned the defense. Yeah, the defense isn't great. I mean, he's now he's even coming off a, an injury, and you know he's 30, 31. I forget mm-hmm. the age, and you know the defense wasn't you know super great to begin with. But I think it is something where I don't think the Brewers are going to commit to one person full time at DH. So you're going to see that kind of rotate, but still, you're going to see. Reese Hoskins make a decent amount of starts at first base, but also still a designated hitter as well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's the kind of guy that I think what he brings to the table, I mentioned, is something they need, but also in that, you know, he he's a right-handed hitter, and I think that's something they need a little bit more of in the lineup. He destroys left-handed pitching, which is something we always talk about with the Brewers yeah. as far as, like, they need more people like that. So immediately him and William Contreras in the middle of that lineup is really good when it comes to – you know, helping with their shortcomings against lefties. Mm-hmm. I and at, at the price, I thought it was very fair. So, just overall, I really like the move. The the one thing that does, and I guess that's uh, it's a, it's a question for a later date. Is it just essentially going to be one year with with Reese Hoskins? Like, there, there's part of me that just kind of wonders. Like, he goes and he has a good year, opts out, goes somewhere else for a bigger deal, maybe a longer term deal at that point. But again, that's something you know you worry about when that time comes. It's, it's it like reminded me of yes, Monte Grandal. Exactly. And you know. the longer this offseason went where there were still so many bigger name players out there, the more I thought that the Brewers might do something like this. Because you mentioned with yes, Monte Grandal, it's something they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. You look at that 2019 offseason after the 2018 season, it was similar in that there was a lot of inactivity. And just around baseball, not specifically the Brewers, but... And then suddenly, I think it was like February, where suddenly it's like, oh, they signed his money ground doll. Well, that's interesting. And they brought back Mike Moustakas, who I don't think a lot of fans thought they were going to on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was a nice thing to see. Um, I would still 
like to see them try to find a way to grab one more bat. I think if you can grab one more solid bat, be it, you know, whoever it is, if it's, you know, a third baseman, if it's a, you know, another, you know, some infielder somewhere, if it's another first baseman, if you plan on kind of, you know, mixing and matching at first a little bit between those two. Or is Owen Miller a potential yeah. over there? You know? there's, I mean, there's, as is often the case with the Brewers, I mean, there's a lot of options out there as far as on the team. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's not a lot, you know, 100% settled. But I think they're one bat away from it being an offense that you can kind of squint at the lineup and say, okay, I think I can see it, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. At mm-hmm. least, you know, one that's going to be good. Right. Then Christian Arroyo uh, also agrees. You know, speaking of Owen Miller, it kind of reminds me of a little Owen Miller, like where he plays all over, second, third, short. Now, I know it's a minor league with an invitation uh, to there, but he's got a lot of experience. And you look at the, was it the OPS Plus? It's higher than like an Andrew Monasterio at certain spots over there. So, I mean, is this the typical kind of Brewer signing where it's a guy that, you know, may not be a starter, but will give you spot starts to, to give relief to other guys? Yeah. He's someone that, especially I think it was like 2018 through 2022, his numbers with the Red Sox were, were pretty good, especially for utility infielders. Struggled last year, which is why was, you know, he was available, but, you know, someone that can play around the infield, a right-handed bat, you know, just, you know, pretty steady and you know, he's someone that's going to go into camp with a chance to win a job as a utility infielder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could be a guy that two months from now we're talking about as, you know, hey, he made he, you know, he made the team because, you know, he came into camp and just, you know, hit the crap out of the ball. Or he's a guy that you could, you know, by April you could forget that he was in training camp with the Brewers. Because that's, you know, that's always the way, mm-hmm. you know, it is when you get to spring training is you get certain guys that kind of have that big off, you know, that big spring that gives lands them a spot on the team. And then there's guys that, you know, you forget that, you know, he was playing, you know, every other day in, right. in March for the team. Right. So you kind of mentioned already, do you think if there is one position, one area that they you would like to see them maybe address is to bring in another bat? Is that another bat at third base? I think so. I think the wild card in this mix, though, is Tyler Black, mm. who can play third, can play first. There's still kind of questions about ultimately where he lands as far as defensively. Because he's not necessarily like the prototypical third baseman. Mm-hmm. When you think of third baseman, you think of big dudes that you know you can play defense. That's got that've got power. That've got a strong arm. Like, but that's not Tyler Black. But Tyler Black has been very successful in the minors as a contact hitter that has a good eye for, at the plate and is and steals bases. He hasn't hit a ton of home runs, but he has a really good grasp of the strike zone. You know when he play, you know he played a significant amount of triple a last year and he walked more than he struck out which says a lot for you know still a younger guy having that sort of you know plate discipline at triple a a left he's a left-handed bat um stole a bunch of bases between triple a and and double a so you know he's someone that he was gonna i think come to camp with a chance to win a role on this team somewhere now if you bring another third baseman maybe tyler black is the guy you're playing a lot of first base then um, but or maybe as the Brewers like to do, maybe he's a guy that you know kind of plays all over a little bit. But mm-hmm. he's another guy that you know if if he's not on the radar yet, maybe he should be pretty quick as far as fans go, just because you haven't seen him play yet at the majors. But right. also, I think something that's going to be interesting, and we can certainly talk about this next month once pitchers and catchers report is. I'm curious, just in general, to see with Pat Murphy if he does anything differently than Craig Council did. As far as just you know, lineup construction, how he plays people in certain spots, like you know, we had a pretty good cross section of Craig Council to know 
kind of what he liked to do with players in certain spots. Mm-hmm. It does you know does Pat Murphy do anything different? You know that's that's something I'm interested to see mm-hmm. if he kind of you know puts his own stamp on things. If you know he you know what he does as far as utilizing pitchers out of the bullpen, as far as you know like. Are people you know hammered down in specific spots, or does he kind of mix and match a little more? Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, speaking of uh, Tyler Black, I know like is it MLB dot com that's coming out with their top ten you know prospects, position prospects. Jackson was number one at outfield. Jackson Cheerio. Tyler Black, I think, was number five. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, I know he was you know closer to the top mm-hmm. as far as third basemen go. But you know, he, I think they even said there like he's. He's not the prototypical third base prospect. I think mostly because of the lack of the power and the lack of the arm. Right. But still, he has he has skills that you can be really mm-hmm. you know that you can be productive with. Is that a is it you know when you say play could he play second base if need be? Has um, he gotten time does, over there? Like it, I think he's played there, but it doesn't sound like like that's a that's a great spot for him. Okay. Plus, I think the Brewers have a little bit more in the way of depth there with some of the utility guys we mentioned. I, yeah. I still think they want to see what Bryce Terang, if he can make the adjustments offensively, because I don't think anyone questions what he can do defensively at second base. Right. You know, Andrew Monasterio is someone I think that, you know, those two could maybe make for a, you know, a halfway decent platoon, depending on how Terang hits mm-hmm. against right-handed pitching, because Andrew Monasterio hit well against lefties last year. So in theory, you think that might make for a bit of a kind of a natural platoon there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Monasterio can also play third base, so you know, we'll see, but... I think that third and first or DH, those are kind of the three spots he might float and you know around to. I mean, he even played a little bit of outfield in the minors, but you know that's probably not going to be a big need for him given the team's outfield depth. Right. So if let's, I'm just general generalizing here. Let's say the opening day lineup, which we know in baseball, you know, don't pay too much. That's not it. Oh, it always fluctuates. But let's say the general starting lineup, if you will, general lineup is Yelich in left, Jackson in center. Sal and right, Reese at first, Terang second, Willie at short, Tyler Black at third, Contreras at catcher. Do you like that lineup? Yeah. Like I said, I think it's still – I feel like there's just one – And I did not that, say a DH because I don't not, <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, one of those outfielders, be Garrett Mitchell or Joey Weimer, can be in the outfield and Yellish could be DH. I mean, right. Like you yep. said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fluctuate day to day, so it, there's not – you know, but I do – I think it's – I still think it's one – bat short, mm-hmm. but I mean, if Tyler Black comes out and hits the ball like he had, does has in the minors, you know, then obviously that could change within uh, a couple weeks to a month. Right. But this is a team that right now, in a, you know, you're in a division where there's no favorite. This is, you know... Is that surprising that the Cubs haven't been as active that I think a lot of people bit, thought? A little bit. I mean, because that was kind of the, I think the feeling when, when they got Craig Council was like, you know they're bringing him in, but they're they're spending money on him because they're also going to spend money on the roster, and they really haven't. Right, they haven't done anything. Like they've they've you know the, and the lay of the land with the division. I mean, the Reds obviously were an exciting young team last year. They you know made some moves to try to address their pitching. The Cardinals did the same thing. They're you know they're banking on a bunch of you know starters that are in in or around their mid thirties to kind of you know. Mm-hmm. Augments, you know that that old that core that they've got of Goldschmidt and Arenado. That's a little bit older, but still, Brewers fans are very well aware of the, the, what those two guys can do. But um, right, and you've got the Pirates, who are kind of a younger team. You know they got that really hot start last year. So, 
I think right now it's 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 up it's up in the air. Like mm-hmm. it just you don't know, and a lot's going to change because there's still people out there and things that happen. But you know, it's it's just going to be very interesting. And there's a lot of teams I think you could make a case for. And I think I mean that's going to what's maybe make it exciting, but also I think for Brewers fans, like in some ways it's a it's kind of it's a different situation to walk into the year in where the last few years. You know, they've kind of walked in feeling, you know, even if not everybody felt that way, they probably walked in feeling like, hey, we're the, you know, we're the, we're the favorite here. Mm-hmm. You know, now I don't, I just don't think there is a favorite. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's kind of, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like it in that it is less, I don't say there's less expectations, but there's just that less belief of like, well, you have to win. Like, even though mm-hmm. you're, you know, as of right now, you're bringing back Corbin Burns and Willie Damas, you know, that's, I, I don't think it's, necessarily like super high pressure like say like the brewers in 2011 were right like where you knew, you this knew was it's like final. oh my gosh it has to be this you right. know i i just i don't have that feeling with the brewers where yeah if if you know ultimately they don't have a you know what they deem a successful year corbin burns and willie Dallas move on yeah that's disappointing but and those are two you know big players to lose but i don't feel like you think the cupboard is bare mm-hmm. i mean with a farm system that i think baseball america has is like the second best in the in the you know in the league like, if you feel like this team isn't necessarily, you know, trending to, like, a big downturn. Which I think maybe a lot of people thought after the council news. Like, they're right. like, oh, crap, here we go. You know, it's right. going to go down. I think, yeah. Maybe you thought that that, that was going to be kind of a... The first domino to fall or right, something like that. Right. But you know, this team wants to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And while, like I said, while Reese Hoskins, I'm not going to say he's the best hitter in the world because he's not. I mean, but it's to me, it just it changes so much with that lineup because... They've desperately needed a guy that can hit third or fourth, like a legitimate person. Like last year, Carlos Santana hitting third. Mark Canna was in there. You know, you and, know. and Mark Canna hit played really well, but still, like mm-hmm. those, they aren't those guys. Like Reese Hoskins hit in the middle of that lineup with the Phillies when the Phillies were in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Like that's with Bryce Harper, you know, those exactly. Guys in there. Yeah. And he's, I also think he's going to be a good person to have just as a leader on a, on a relatively young team. I mean, he was an unquestioned. He seems like a really good clubhouse. Right. He was, a, he was just an unquestioned leader for that team. Mm-hmm. And you know, it sounds maybe, like Phillies fans are really upset. Yeah, that he's they were. Out, and you know? I think sometimes you can kind of tell what people, you know. That's what, Philadelphia fans say. Exactly. That, yeah. yeah. So I think he's going to fit in really well. Mm-hmm. I guess now the question for Reese Hoskins is, is he going to be able to wear number 17? Because that number's kind of been unofficially retired for Jim Gantner. Mm. Just think about it. There really hasn't been anyone that's worn number 17 yeah, in, I, I in never recent history. So, you know, that'll be something interesting to... Well, and remember, too, I think his wife will fit in because was it a couple years ago she bought, like, a bunch of beer for yeah, fans? Yeah, she was buying beer for fans of the World Series. Yeah, so yeah. I think uh, there's a good promotion there, Brewers fans, yeah. for Brewers, you right. know, to, to figure that one out. So... Um, I don't know if this is a few days old or maybe even a couple weeks old. I was watching Corbin Burns. He was doing an interview. It might have been with a podcast or something like that. And I can't remember, but they were talking about Pat Murphy. And uh, and, and Corbin was talking about, you know, how, how Pat is, like, all jacked up. Like, nobody's giving us a shot. You know, like how Pat loves it. And, and they were talking about, you know, Corbin was kind of having some fun. He's like, Pat thinks he knows guys that he played with. Like, every you drop a name, Pat's probably got a story like, oh, I know him or I knew him. Like, for, you know, I coached him in the 50s or something like that. Our, it seems like, and I, we've seen glimpses of this, but this seems like we're going to get maybe a little bit more of a animated manager with Pat I think Murphy. so. I think that's something people – and look, that's something I think some people will like mm-hmm. because, you know, Craig Council, you know, 
I think part of the reason he was successful he was so even keel. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd see him, you know, get after an umper or, or you know, you know, someone at one, you know, one point or another. But I, I do think you know, Pat Murphy, I think, is going to be a little more. You said animated, like mm-hmm. I think his, you know, his post game press conferences are probably going to. You might learn a little bit more. You know, Craig yep. Council usually kept it pretty close to the vest. Yep. I, I and I think that you know between him and Ricky Weeks, I mean, those are two guys that are you know. I don't think they're going to be afraid to speak their mind. Right. And I think you can kind of tell, like, just listening to, to Corbin, it's almost like, not to say they didn't respect counsel because they did. They always, Absolutely. But it's a little different. Like, it is. It is. That's a very good way. It's just different. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, right now we can't say it's going to be better. We can't say it's going to be worse. Right. You know, even though Craig Council set a high bar with what he did, mm-hmm. but it's going to be different. And I think that's exciting. Yeah. Because it's just, it's been a bit since... We've had, you know, you, the Brewers have had this. I mean, they, it's been a bit just in general. I I mean, I would maybe go back to, like, Ned Yost as as a manager that was, you know, could be a bit fiery because, mm-hmm. obviously, Craig Collins pretty even keel. Ron Renicky wasn't a big screamer talker. Ken Maka certainly wasn't. <laughs> so, like, as someone that, you know, is not going to be afraid to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. speak his mind when the situation warrants it. So, right. And I think, you know, especially for all these players, they obviously they know Pat Murphy really well. I think they're above all else. They're just excited to see him get this opportunity. Yeah, it just it, you know, and I don't know if this would be the right way to, to to kind of compare it. You know, Council had a lot of success. Was a former player in the leagues. Won some World Series. You get the respect for, from that. Where it just seems like guys just want to win for Pat Murphy because they really like the guy. They like his personality. You know, they like how he goes, his mindset, and goes about his business, sort of thing. Yep. That's yeah. that's the impression I get. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And then. You know, now you're always going to have up until, you know, whoever the next manager is, you know, you're going to kind of have that idea of like, you know, Ricky Weeks, is, it, is this kind of a manager in waiting kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll know. We'll see. I mean, right. if the Brewers go out and win 65 games the next two or three years, then maybe not because they may just want to make a clean break altogether. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's 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 going to be interesting. Yep. And again, happy birthday to you. 90 years young today. 90 years young and still going at it. Yep. So. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk some more Milwaukee Bucks after these quick words. It's that time of year where we may be stuck indoors for a bit, so you need to make sure your pantries, fridge, and freezers are fully stocked. How do you do that while also saving some money? Easy. Just shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether it's stocking the pantry with soups or dried goods, or loading up the deep freezer with pizzas and frozen foods, Hy-Vee has the best selection to help keep you stocked during the winter months. And with their Hy-Vee perks, you'll save money at the register and the gas pump. Stock up on your favorite grocery items and save money with Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Still nothing officially official with Doc Rivers being the head coach for the Bucks, and the Bucks play tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they got another game tomorrow against uh, against New Orleans. But Shams from the Athletic is saying through the 2026 season, he's getting $40 million. My question for this, Brandon, is it the end of like the 25-26 season, or is it the 26-27 season, because if it's like the 25-26 season and he's getting $40 million, holy crap. I mean, it's still a lot if you even add another year on there. That's a boatload of money considering, too, that they're paying off Booneholzer yet. they got to pay off Adrian Griffin. Hey, I guess for, for Brewers fans, that if you want your ownership to spend money, at least the Bucks are right <laughs> at this right. point in time. Although, you, I mean, you'd probably prefer it was not on three different head coaches at the same time, but you yeah. know what? Uh your thoughts when you first heard Adrian Griffin was was let go? 
I was surprised, but I, I don't know if I was surprised. Like, were, were you surprised like they actually did it? Yes, I think yeah. I was more surprised they actually did it than the above all else because you know I know they were thirty and thirteen or whatever, but mm-hmm. if you've watched any uh, a fair amount of Bucks game, you can tell it just wasn't working. Right, like they're not gonna you know they understood it wasn't sustainable to win every game one hundred and forty to one hundred and thirty four. Yeah, like you you have to play some semblance of defense. Like mm-hmm. even in the NBA, you have to play defense at some level. So, um. And I give them credit because it could have been easy to say, well, we just hired this guy. We can't get rid of him right away. Like, if it's not working, it's not working. Like, mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is you keep making the mistake. Yeah. Like, the old saying, what do you do when you're in a, what's the first thing you do when you're in a hole? Mm-hmm. You stop digging. Like, if it's not working, it's not working. And when you hear, you know, that, you know, he might have lost the, you know, the support or the belief from some of the, you know, some of the star players on the team, like, that's, that's a bridge you really can't come back from. Right. So you just have to kind of rip the Band-Aid off now and, you know, try to get things figured out. Because ultimately what matters is April, May, and June. You know, you can, you know, you hit some bumps now and you do this now and you get some chance to kind of blend. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say I'm, you know, super stoked about it being Doc Rivers, but kind of going back to something you had mentioned earlier this week, like, I don't know what other options there were. Like, there's not very many kind of veteran coaches out there that can kind of jump in. You're not going to be able to redo it and get Nick Nurse. You right, know, exactly. <laughs> there's just not a ton of options. Like, mm-hmm. you could have went with, you know, you know Joe Pronti, but is, you know, like... Was that going to be a guy that was you that think going to be the guy that gets to the top? Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you probably doubt it. So, you make the big play and... You know, we're, you know, everyone's probably familiar that Doc Rivers has had some, you know, they've had, his teams have had some disappointing finishes in the postseason. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. I mean, most recently last year, the Sixers. Yep. But you trust that, you know, you believe it can be different because of the players you have. I mean, He's coached, you know, some stars at different spots. And I, I, I personally feel like that was a big selling point too, is that he has experience with yes at every stop besides maybe you know, he's Orlando. Co- yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he's had some, you know, there's he's his teams have have, have fallen flat at times in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But you also you have to trust your yourself and your team to say hey. But now you have Giannis and Dame Lillard and you know Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Like it's maybe a little bit different than having to deal with a James Harden. Right. Yep. So. You know, you just you kind of have to you know trust that, mm-hmm. and you're going to give him enough time to kind of get the lay of the land, and 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 hopefully be feeling a lot better about yourself come April than you are you know right now. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, I know there was reports and there was some talk, and, and even John Horse kind of mentioned it here too. You, you got the sense listening to John Horse's uh, presser before their their previous game against Cleveland that they, they I got the sense that he's like yeah we might have regretted making that hire after everything kind of happened after that because at that time you know when they hired and he acknowledged we didn't know about Brooke we didn't know about Chris you know Giannis didn't have the extension they didn't have Dave yeah they thought the, there might have been maybe a little bit of a chance kind of a growth period right whereas you know the way everything developed like it's win now it's not you know we think he can be a good coach in two years it's like well we kind of need him to be a good coach now right yep um, so after all that transpired, and then, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some people that said, well, why did you make the decision after you got the Dame trade if you weren't that confident? I mean, you're probably like, okay, let's see how it rolls. Well, the Dame trade happened like a week before the season. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. hire a coach a week before the season. Right. So yeah, Exactly. So, um, you know, they, they went through it. And I don't think, 
I was like you. I was surprised they actually did it because I think there was enough evidence, whether it was players like Giannis or Bobby Portis, you know, say, hey, we got to do this, you know, we got to do this, and, you know, kind of voicing some of their frustrations or, or whatever. Yeah, they were still winning, but I think anybody who was watching Bucks games or, or following along could tell it's like, but are you gonna? Are you confident they they can win? Yeah, they're second place in these. But do you think they can win? I mean, we're sitting here talking about. Let's hope they don't face Indiana if they're a seven seed. Yeah, and right. you know, it's like that's not very confident to to be thinking about that. It's like because they can't stop them on on the offensive side. And I know I I don't think I've seen many people, if maybe I could count them on one hand, excited about Doc Rivers. But I'll, I'll say, who else was out there? Right. I you just know? don't know what there were for options. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, you just what you know. That's given the given the realistic options out there. I think it was probably you know about as good as you could do, relatively speaking. And I think you know, I know Giannis downplayed the role he had in bringing Adrian Griffin in, and I know he said, "Yeah, they asked me, you know, for my opinions and and all that and et cetera." He's like, "But I don't make the decisions and all that." I would counter that by saying, "But you know what, Giannis, your opinion weighs more than maybe a guy like Pat Connaughton." Um, or I'm not trying to pick on Pat, but if I'm a general manager of an NBA team and I know it's a superstar league where you got to make your superstars happy, otherwise their superstars are going to go out, and this is a superstar that was already making comments like, Milwaukee's got to show me that they're committed to to always winning championships. So you're you're out there in public saying that. And so when the the front office and the ownership group says, hey, you know, here's our, our finalists, which one do you like? Just give us your opinion. And you say, I... You know, I, I like Griffin the best. That is going to weigh heavily on a front right, office's right. decision. So you can say yeah, you're not involved and you don't want to be involved in those decisions. Yet you kind of indirectly are, though, because one, you went out there and said, "I got to see the team be, you know, committed if I'm going to commit." And then you are the best player. You are a superstar. They were trying to make you happy. So U.S. you are indirectly involved in these decisions. So may not have been like. I want that guy. That's my pick. It could have been like, yeah, I really liked him. You know, he's he, I really enjoyed, and he's probably my favorite. Counter. Well, then that probably was the science he'll deliver. We're going to go with with Adrian Griffin at that point. So, do you think they regret not hiring Nick Nurse though? Probably, but from what I had seen reported, maybe Giannis wasn't necessarily the big Nick Nurse fan. Mm-hmm. And again, if that's the case, well, then you're you're going to kind of. You have to live with it then, if you're honest, right? Yes, you I mean, yeah, you do. If if that's the case, and that's you know what I'd seen reported, but I'm not saying that you know, mm-hmm. but that's, whether that's true or not, like that's yeah, you're for good or bad. Like when you're a superstar, you know, you and you give your opinion on things. Like you have to understand, like they're going to listen to you. Yep, exactly. If you don't want to be involved in that, you can just flat out say, "Hey, I trust you guys to make the decision. I just I, I want the best coach out there. You know, give me give me the best coach that you guys think is." is out there. So, um I don't know. I know somebody was asking like why is he, you know, they haven't announced Doc yet or anything like that. Maybe it's something on the road trip that he joins them because they're yeah. after these two home games. Yeah, they play because they play back to back. Yeah. So maybe it's something like hey, you want to bond with a new coach and a coaching staff, no better way than doing it in hotels and yeah, you know, going on a West Coast on the road, road trip yeah. over there, but I don't think there's a hang up or no, anything. No, and, I, and just, I'm sure part of it too is just like it takes a lot. I mean, Doc Rivers went from he's doing TV mm-hmm. to like, hey, you're going to be this coach in Milwaukee now. Like, 
there's still certain things you have to get taken care of. And he's like, probably trying to find coaches to join him too. Right. And yeah. that, you know, that or if I don't know if he's gonna be kind of easing on in. Easing on in if they're gonna keep some of the staff, like how that works. Like there's just a lot of logistics that have to be taken care of and they can't be mm-hmm. done in you know a day. Especially during the season. Right. So quick break and we're gonna make some picks after these messages. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. You going Ravens or Chiefs and why? I am going to go with the Ravens because I think they are the better team. However, it would be a very Chiefs thing to have the Chiefs have the regular season they did where everyone just kind of you know wrote them off and said, oh, they're, they're, they're done. And then they would make the Super Bowl anyway because Patrick, because Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's the best player in the NFL. Like he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, but I'm going to go with this year's MVP, Lamar Jackson. I think the difference is going to be that defense, mm-hmm. you know, especially you know, you know, in the middle of it, the linebacker core, like being able to kind of keep Travis Kelsey from running wild. Yep. Because yeah, Travis Kelsey, another one. He didn't have a great year, but last week he showed he's still he's still darn good. Like yeah, he's not done. Um, but in the end, I'm going to take Baltimore. I am going to take the Ravens as well. Uh, that defense is awesome. Lamar Jackson is probably going to be MVP, odds are. The player on this defense, you mentioned the, the linebacking core for the for the Ravens and such, and, I mean, blitzing and all that. The player that I think is going to have the biggest impact for the Ravens defense is going to be Kyle Hamilton. That guy's a stud. Chess piece. Yes. You can play him all over the place. Yep. He might have a big role in stopping or slowing down Travis Kelsey uh, in, in this game. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, trying to slow him down in, in the running game. One of Hudson's now favorite players is Isaiah Pacheco for some reason. Um, I had to go buy him an Isaiah Pacheco card. <laughs> uh, I think he just likes saying the name. Pacheco. Pacheco. It's but, a fun running back name. Yeah. Uh, but I think with, with Hamilton back there, he is go- – He is. that's the safety I want for Green Bay is that type of safety, is is that dude. I mean, he's bi- – he- He's the whole he's the whole package. He can mm-hmm. do everything. He's big, he's tall, he's rangy. Yep. Like he can hold up about as well as you can expect any safety to hold up if he's gotta be, you know, pressed with uh keeping a close eye on Travis Kelsey. Yep, I agree. So uh I'm going Ravens as well, uh in this thing and just please please let it be the Ravens from just a personal standpoint too. Just please, come on. I just want the Ravens to go. So, part of, Although I will say, on that note, part of me is hoping Chiefs just because I want to kind of watch the world burn. I was going to say, you like chaos, right? I like chaos. Yeah. At this point, like, to me, the thing that's almost as fun is, like, you know, seeing whatever, you know, whatever buzz there would be leading up to the Super Bowl is just, I feel like in some ways the whole Taylor Swift stuff has kind of jumped the shark. Now, now I'm just kind of enjoying watching people getting really mad about it. Well, I mean, if you want Chiefs and, and, and Lions, I mean, who's who's Usher doesn't even have to do the halftime. Just have Eminem and Taylor do it. There you go. Yeah. Besides, don't we want to see two weeks of shirtless tra- or Jason Kelsey? No. <laughs> I don't. Uh, all right, so we're both Ravens. How about the NFC? Niners, Lions. 
America's team, Lions. By the way, first of all, if Green Bay would have found a way to win last weekend, I would have given you a lot of crap today because I believed in them when you didn't. <laughs> God, you were just waiting all I week was to waiting say for, this. I was you. waiting for that. Yeah. but Okay, let me ask you then. If Green Bay would have won, would you pick them this week? Yes. Okay. And I wouldn't have allowed you to pick them this week. So I no, wouldn't pick them, but no, I would. I'd want to, but I wouldn't. So, <laughs> But um, going back to this game, um, I'm going to take San Francisco. I think... At some point, Detroit's defense is going to let them down. I like they, they they can rush the passer. You know, Agent Hutchinson is mm-hmm. a great young star in this league. I still have questions about their secondary, about that back half of the defense. And even though the 49ers will not likely have Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. I think at some point, I mean, they, you know, it was a grind to beat the Rams, the Buccaneers, who have been very hit or miss. We're within striking distance. Like mm-hmm. at some point, I just think this defense reverts to what we saw at times when you know when the Packers beat them at Thanksgiving, or when they allowed Nick Mullins to throw for 400 yards on them twice. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, I think, I think it gets away. I think the defense is the reason that De- Detroit loses at some point. I think this is that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man, but. Uh... I'm going 49ers too, which means it's the kiss of death. Yep. So, so we yeah. both picked it. So, yep. Chief, uh, Chiefs and Lions. Uh, yeah. Um, Forty. I. The way that I know people are kind of down on the 49ers because of how they played against the the Packers. That might have actually been a good thing for them. I think in this one, you know, barely squeaking by with that thing. It's not going to rain. Brock Purdy stinks in the rain. I just I've got the weather. It's not supposed to rain. Uh, so it's going to be nice uh, for him over there. I just I think the Niners. I, I feel comfortable in the Niners, and I don't know if that's a good thing right now. Right, um, I agree with your thought on. I don't you know I don't I don't like to say that they overlooked the Packers last week, but I think they now have that you know whenever you have a game like that and you win, it's just like okay you like, kind of you kind of feel like okay we got away with one yeah, there you maybe focus a little bit more right you know, um, and I think that's what's going to happen. I, I really do. And, you, and I agree with you with what you said with the Lions defense, too, uh, over there. Just, you know, Debo being a loss is, is a big loss. But here's the other part, too. Brandon Ayuk had over 1,300 yards receiving. Right. George Kittle had over 1,000 yards receiving. They still got a dude named Christian McCaffrey that they can get involved I, I, yeah. in the game. Yep. So um, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the 49ers uh, in this one, uh, too. And I just think that Niners defense, I think if you can put pressure on Jared Goff, Consistent pressure on Jared Goff. Get him off a spot. Yep. When, he, when he can sit back there and you know get the, rid of the ball quick, he's a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if you can get pressure up in the middle in his face, you can make him look very bad. I think Fred Warner is just going to wreak havoc on him. Uh, we've seen how bad Jared Goff is when he's under pressure, and I think the 49ers can do that. They're, Niners are, are, uh, excuse me, Lions are a little banged up, too. We were, I mean, Frank Ragno, I mean, yeah, he's got four injuries on there, but, and he toughed it out, but... Now you're going up against, you know, Sam Fran, and they're going to try to put some pressure on it. So, yeah, I'm I'm rolling with the 49ers in this one. So, 49ers, Ravens rematch from ten years ago from the Harbaugh Bowl. Yeah, when was the lights went out ago ago already. 2013. 11. Or is no. that the 2013 season? Was it the 2013 season? 2014 Super? I yeah. Thought, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because. Uh, that was when Rodgers was out, and then they played the 49ers when they beat the Bears, and, that, and then the 49ers ah. came and beat them in the cold weather. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so 13 season, I believe. 14. 14. Yeah, so then, yeah. Yep. 
And and full circle, we got Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL now. Yep. So. Yep. And he's going to be in Baltimore apparently. For oh, for the game, game yeah. for the game, this one be the last time you could probably wear a Ravens hat though. I don't right, even know right. if you should still wear a yeah, Ravens hat in not. this one. He should wear the uh, Rob Lowe NFL. Where did I see something like that? I saw somebody. Oh, it was around here. I thought too. I was gonna like, wow, that's they were the Rob. They had like the Rob Lowe NFL shield. Yeah, hat or it was either a hat or a jacket or something like that. I just, I, I, I can't remember what it was. But all right, that's uh, that's what we're rolling with, and. To me, fitting because those were the two best teams all season long. Yep, I mean they're the two one seeds. Like to me, that's the I would say the best matchup as far as on field. I mean, certainly if the Lions make the Super Bowl, there would be a lot of other you know fun things going into it. If the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, there would be a lot of things that were talked about in the lead up there too. But to mm-hmm. me, that is the best possible matchup, and it matches the color scheme of the logo. Ooh, conspiracy you, theory. Yeah, because it was purple and red. So it was like a purple because that's happened in the past where like teams have that yeah. have advanced the Super Bowl match color scheme. Mm-hmm. And I think next next year's is purple and green. So Jets and Vikings. Oh God. <laughs> uh, or Green Bay and uh, Baltimore again. I like mine better. <laughs> oh boy, man. I don't. Yeah, I just I feel more comfortable. I think with the 49ers win than the Ravens win, almost. And I don't know if that's dangerous. I think that's kind of dangerous to have that mindset. I'm not a fan of either of those teams, so I don't really care. You know, honestly, I don't have a team that I really like. I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to. No. With, with these four, I got a division rival. I don't care that they haven't won. It's a feel good story. Awesome, but you okay, know they, what? It's they still felt, division. Yeah, I, I, they, they felt good enough. Yeah. It's the. Uh, <laughs> it is the. Uh, um, I thought about this this week. The uh, the Chappelle show skit with the player haters ball, where he's like, we were talking about hating. He's like, why do you why do you why do you have more than me? Why why can't I have that? That's how I feel right now. Why do you have more than me? Why can't I have that? <laughs> yep, yep. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too competitive. I don't want to. I don't want to have a division team. And then 49ers nope. with all that history there. Yep. Chiefs, I'm just sick and tired of. And well, Ravens won one ten years ago, and that's fine. So yeah, I got too much. I just yeah, whatever happens happens in this one, I guess. So, uh, okay. Again, those uh, the first one's going to be the AFC. Second one's going to be the NFC on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, I wanted to do another prediction, but I forgot what it was. I got too focused on on football here. I forgot what my other prediction I was going to bring up, and I thought it was a good one. Maybe we got Badgers in Michigan State tonight. Oh, yeah, let's do that one. Yeah. That, that's another pick there. Um, you want me to bring up the line Sure. for, for that game? Because uh, Badgers beat them earlier during that three-game stretch that we thought was the gauntlet, mm-hmm. and they beat Michigan State in that one. Let me let me get the line for this one. This one's in the Kohl Center. I did see the Badgers say it's sold out. Yep, because they're doing a stripe stripe it out uh, thing over there. Uh, Seven o'clock tip time. The line is I got to imagine the Badgers. Yeah, Badgers three and a half. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will take Wisconsin. Um, I think that, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, kind of the Niners and maybe the game at the Packers. Um, I think maybe Wisconsin coming off that win over Minnesota, a game that could have got away from them. Maybe in previous years it does. But they're at home. I think, you know, the the Kohl Center will be rocking, hopefully. Yeah. But, um, and and, and Michigan State's just very hit or miss. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and this is one this is one if you're Wisconsin you you want to get mm-hmm. because you've got you still got two matchups with Purdue coming up. You've got the, the schedule gets tougher once you get into to February, so you just need to keep banking conference wins. Mm-hmm. So I will take Wisconsin by five. Uh, I'm going to take Wisconsin. I like that five. I think there's going to be like a bunch of free throws in that final minute. You know how we see the foul go to yeah, the line yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, I like Wisconsin. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. As always, big thanks for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, which now available on YouTube as well. So if you don't have a podcasting app, you can check it out on YouTube over there. And while you're there, you know, on your favorite podcasting app, don't forget if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review so others could find the podcast. Until next time, I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.